The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Well, it's one, two, three strikes, you're out at the old ball game. Welcome back to Short Hops and Tall Tales, a pictureless podcast highlighting the funny, weird, and bizarre elements of baseball that make America's pastime special. I'm Noah Scott, and I'm thrilled to be back with my co-host, Brandon Riddle. Uh, Brandon, long time no see. How are you doing on this this fine uh, afternoon? <laughs> I'm enjoying it. It actually is a very fine afternoon, and I'm excited to talk some baseball, including somebody we've been waiting to talk about for a very long time now so i know you're noah are extremely <laughs> excited about this one eric davis and the greatest hidden season of all time so that is a heck of a story and then of course we have the pickle jar and then if we have time there we have just because you know we're missing baseball right now we just need to be reminded why we love baseball so we might talk a little bit about that yeah yeah, and and you mentioned it, but I, I think I've been talking about doing an episode on Eric Davis for for a months, month or two, literally now. for months now. Yeah, yeah. So and I'm I'm very excited. I have uh, we were just going over that line, and I have what eleven pages of notes. You got eleven pages of notes, so. yeah. So <laughs> buckle up. Folks. I'm I'm ready. Um, I'm I'm prepared. And before we get to Eric Davis, uh, we have pickup trivia. Uh, so when okay. we're recording this, the Super Bowl was just like last week, so it's still kind of relevant here. Uh, so who won 15, that? What was that? Who, who won the Who won the Super Bowl? Uh, some I the don't city remember. of Los Angeles. Wow, that's that's wild. Uh, of Anaheim. Uh, yeah, yeah, the Los Angeles Rams <laughs> of Anaheim. You got it. That's what it was. Okay. I'm uh, I'm the uh, worst. This is what I had to deal with, folks. All right. So 15 NFL quarterbacks that have played in the Super Bowl were drafted by teams in Major League Baseball. So 15 NFL quarterbacks. Can you name three of them or four of them? No? Okay. Honestly, no. I thought you might get a couple. <laughs> I'm just going to... Uh, uh, no. well, well, okay. So I can I actually can think of two, I think. Um, okay. Let's, let's hear them. Because my football knowledge in general is just severely lacking. Uh, so, but I do know that Russell Wilson was drafted by mm-hmm. the Yankees, I think. Um, or was he drafted not by the He Yankees? was drafted uh, twice by the Orioles and the Orioles. Rockies. Orioles and the Rockies. Oh, interesting. Because I, I do remember he had, uh, he did spring training with the Yankees a couple of years mm-hmm. ago. But Russell Wilson, he, he's been to the Super Bowl. Um, and of course, Tom Brady was drafted by the Expos, uh, which is hilarious. Uh, now that he's retired, I guess there goes the last remaining Montreal Expos expo <laughs> i think this yeah that, that, that i think there's one active that was drafted by the team and then moved to washington with them but i can't remember who it is off the top of my head it's not not ryan zimmerman no well it can't he, be he, he just retired um <laughs> yeah i think i think we're out of expos because i think because cologne is retired um, is somebody this is gonna bother me it's gotta be somebody else yeah but yeah i mean that, that may have been it uh so yeah we, okay. we got those two uh patrick mahomes was drafted by the tigers was he really and then, yeah, and then some kind of a are we, famous names. Are we are we sure that was Patrick Mahomes or his dad, who's also named Patrick Mahomes? Did his dad Patrick Mahomes throw in the NFL Super Bowl? Oh, you're right. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I mean, I hope so. No, what I'm saying is, is are we looking at Patrick Mahomes baseball? Like, because he's got the same name as his dad. Um, yeah, the, the the quarterback that was just recently won the Super Bowl. <laughs> Well, was drafted by the Tigers. Was he really? Yeah. 
I hope so. Otherwise, all my information. Wow. Well. Yeah, they did. Interesting. Yeah, it was. Uh, so Mahomes, you said Wilson, John Elway was drafted, Dan Marino was drafted, Joe Namath, Joe Theismann. Oh wow, Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. Wow. Um, you remember Steve McNair? Nope, never heard of him. Oh man, that was a good <laughs> Super Bowl. Uh, and then some. I'm going to say some other. Probably Hall of Fame quarterbacks. I don't know their names because NFL and me don't get along. But hey, a couple more too. So that's neat. Yeah. Some big names were drafted by Major League Baseball. That's, that's, I mean, it's also, you know, because the MLB draft, at least, you know, for now, there's so many people drafted too, which yeah. is wild. Um, yeah. I, I just think we need more two way players. I'm just saying. Two, two sport players? Two sport players, yeah. Well, we did do let's the... get the, Let's get some NHL and baseball mix. I don't think we've ever that had would that. Be... That'd very cool. interesting it's a unique skill set come on guys i i think that would be really cool um i do know that somebody just there was an olympian who was like won a medal i think for for speed skating who i think he's in the dodgers organization right now as a minor leaguer but he he, he was cool. also i'm not sure if he was on a world series winning team i uh i apologize i should i feel like i should know that but um so I feel like that's a cool, cool dual yeah, sport athlete. Yeah, it is. Of course, we did the entire episode about uh, two sport athletes. Uh, that was like one of the first five episodes I think we did. I think, I think so, yeah. And, and I'm sure we'll have an episode coming up where all we do is say the name Shohei Otani for like an hour, and that's yeah. all we do, and we'll be happy with it. We'll do a, a sequel to our, our original Shohei Otani episode. That'll be fun. <laughs> <sighs> all righty. Well, are you uh, ready for the deep breath to dive I'm into ready. Eric Davis? Months he's been talking about this, so I'm, I'm excited and ready to go. All right. So Eric Davis, also known as Eric the Red, uh, he was one of the brightest stars of the 1980s and uh, one of baseball's biggest what-if stories. Uh, just like just like some of the quotes from players that he played with and people surrounding the game uh, when Eric Davis was, was in the majors are incredible. So his teammate Paul O'Neill... Uh, called Davis the best hitter, best runner, best outfielder, best everything I ever saw. Mm, nice. His teammate Dave Parker said, Eric is blessed with world-class speed, great leaping ability, the body to play until he's 42, oh. uh, tremendous bat speed and power, and a throwing arm you wouldn't believe. There's an aura to everything he does. Tommy Lasorda said, Davis flat out frightens me more than any player I've ever seen. <laughs> And these aren't just like regular players with these quotes. These are fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And we got, we got more. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Pete Rose, who managed Eric Davis for his first few seasons in Cincinnati, said that Eric has more talent than any player I have ever seen in my life, including Willie Mays. I think everything said about him is justified. I saw Mays and Aaron and Clemente but I can't imagine them doing more things than Eric can. I don't think you can get a higher, like, no praise than that. I I wonder if that's like the full package of offense, defense, all the tools, five tools all together. Sounds amazing. I'm ready. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's wild because he just has all these like mystical like quotes about him. Um, and then, of course, Joe Posnanski, one of the uh, greatest baseball writers of all time. I think, I think we quote him about every yeah, we, other we episode. Quote him. Yeah, yeah. Um, he says, uh, you know, think of Eric Davis as the greatest folk hero of them all. Uh, he went on to say, you know, Eric Davis had like imaginary statistics because it was pretty much something you could only dream of seeing a player accomplish. Uh, the old uh, video game numbers. Exactly. At video game numbers. And truly as a power speed combo, you know, he broke the mold for what a baseball player could be in the 1980s. Uh, so a little bit of background on Eric Davis. He was born in 1962 in Los Angeles, California, uh, in South central LA. There, there's the connection. Yeah. There's the, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they have to be connected to the Dodgers in some way, right? Is that, is that the rule? <laughs> Yeah, seven um, degrees of LA Dodgers. Yeah, but uh, growing up in South Central, you know, that's he grew up in a rough area where drug use and crime, you know, that was that was prevalent. You know, it, it was a very vulnerable time for Eric Davis mm-hmm. being a, a kid growing up. Uh, you know, when he did, uh, however, he kept out of trouble, uh, like a lot of people do by going and playing sports. So he played baseball, he played basketball at a local Fremont High School where he would actually become an early athletic rival and a friend with another very talented ball player uh, who later became his teammate, um, Daryl Strawberry, who actually played over at Crenshaw High. Uh, Davis actually uh, prioritized basketball growing up, and he had dreams of playing in the NBA. 
because that that was his main sport. Um, and he actually didn't really take baseball very seriously until his senior year uh, when he started to get attention from scouts. Because his senior year, he ends up hitting 531 with 50 stolen bases while holding down shortstop. So, so he didn't you know, give baseball the attention that it deserved or didn't really take it seriously. And he still hit it with 500. Well, he was a monster. Yeah. And that's, that's the yeah. thing is I actually around. See, see how it goes. When, I'm re- when I was researching him, that's actually the lower number that I found because I found a couple other sources uh, that said he hit like 630 something. Oh my goodness. You know, and like, of course it's high school, but that's incredible. Especially Still, that's when, imaginary statistics. Yeah. When baseball is not your, your favorite sport and it's not necessarily your focus at the time, like mm-hmm. it's incredible. So scouts started coming around to see Davis. Um, and so he started to see baseball uh, more and more as like uh, an actual potential career path. Uh, and he, he actually is quoted as saying, you know, I guess the first time I took baseball seriously was when the scouts started paying attention to me. Uh, Daryl Strawberry uh, always mm-hmm. had more scouts watching him. So there weren't too many scouts who would come down to Fremont looking for talent. Uh, but, you know, still, obviously, that talent was there. Uh, and it's just wild because, you know, in high school, he's still learning many of the finer points of the game and even like some of the fundamentals. Right. But he's still dominating everyone out there because he's just a monster. Uh, so, yeah, Davis, he was scouted by a handful of teams, including the local Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, but he did end up being drafted with the 200th overall pick by the Cincinnati Reds in the eighth round of the 1980. 200th draft. overall pick on the kid that probably hit over 600. It's well, the thing about Eric Davis is that, you know, a lot of it was his build, too, because he was he was six two, which is you know tall, but it's not incredibly tall for a ball player but he's only 165 pounds he was really skinny and that was something yeah. you know he was skinny throughout his career uh so he actually he got off to a slow start uh in his minor league career but he did you know start to become known for just having immense power at the plate uh and just freakish speed he was so fast on the bases he actually swiped 178 oh. bases in the minors uh which is just an absurd number across three or four seasons uh, and then it actually all came together for him to get his first call up to the Major League Cincinnati Reds in 1984 when he was just 22 years old. Now, have you not bad for someone who's just now taking baseball seriously? Right um, now, Brandon, have you ever seen like old video of Eric Davis play? I'm sure I have, but unfortunately, embarrassingly, yeah. I can't recall off the top of my head. Oh, don't be embarrassed. It's it's cool. Um, well, the thing that I actually, so the thing that drew me to Eric Davis when I first learned about him was I actually first learned about him, I want to say like four or five years ago playing MLB the show, uh, because he, here was this player, he he had this like really nasty, uh, you know, player card, right. But his Mm -hmm. stance was so fun because he had a very relaxed, uh, and distinctive stance at the plate. He looked very loose. He held his hands down almost like at his belt at his at his stomach and he would just kind of like wave his bat back and forth in front of him over the plate almost like it points at like a horizontal angle like he kind of just stood out there with his hand just kind of like a 45 degree angle just like at the plate i know that i know this stance yeah, yeah i know definitely know the stance now and you know the that's for those of you that, that that's very atypical because usually you want your hands up by you know at least up more near your shoulders so you can you know uh, load and drive to the ball really fast. Uh, however, you know, Eric Davis had lightning fast hands, so he could actually do that and get all the way back up to load his swing and then, you know, snap into action and drive the ball with immense power when, when it came to the plate. Uh, and that was just like, I don't know. It was just a very distinctive stance. And that's really the first thing that I think about when I think of yeah. Eric Davis was just like how smooth he looked as a hitter and how relaxed he looked at the plate uh, and it's just it's very it's very cool. It's kind of like Gary Sheffield. You know, he had the huge like bat waggle and it's it's like that distinct. Yep, that's exactly what I was thinking about. Yeah. Uh, but like I said, you know, Eric Davis, he he broke the mold really at the time. And the Reds didn't really know what to do with him. Uh, he was incredibly <laughs> fast. Uh, so they're like, hey, you know, maybe he's a leadoff hitter. Then again, he could hit the ball, you know, over the yard better than anyone. So maybe he's a cleanup guy. What a good problem to have. It's a great problem to have. Uh, However, the Reds did know that they wanted to make better use of his speed on defense. So they actually moved him from his position at shortstop into the outfield. uh, And that's where Davis would go on to become one of the game's most exciting fielders Mm -hmm. uh, during the 1980s. 
now he was known for just a devil may care attitude when he was uh, in the outfield. He would run full tilt to make these diving grabs. Uh, he'd crash hard into leaping into outfield fences to try and rob extra base hits. And he would get beat up because, you know, he's flying everywhere. He's really really just going all out all the time and mm-hmm. that's one of the things that i i love about eric davis was he didn't really take plays off you know he sacrificed his body and he he really he went all out every every play which is a blessing and a curse to watch as a fan because it's amazing to watch while it's happening but you know it's gonna burn out fast yeah. unfortunately just because it's beat up your body so i think that's some foreshadowing here yep a little bit uh, so in his first uh, in his rookie season with the Reds, he didn't really light the league on fire. Uh, however, he did show some flashes. He made some incredible you know plays in the outfields. He actually uh, broke the Cincinnati Reds rookie home run record. Uh, but he also he hurt his knee on a really hard slide in his mm. rookie season, and he missed a few weeks. Uh, he made the team out of spring training in 1985, uh, but he got off to a pretty slow start, and he was sent back down midway through the season. Uh, but it, he was he was good in the 56 games that he played in 85. He finished the year with, you know, a 246 average, hit eight home runs, 16 stolen bases. Yeah, uh, that's good for a 117 WRC plus. Uh, again, the note there is, you know, 100 space line. So rule of thumb, about 17 percent better than the average player. Now, in his third season, 1986, this is where Eric Davis starts to put it all together. He started slow as he did the previous year, uh, but mm-hmm. then he started to heat up. Uh, so the first two months, he only had a you know 200 batting average. He had some pretty bad luck, uh, 212 batting average on balls in play. Uh, he had four home runs, 12 stolen bases, really nothing. Okay. Yeah, so nothing amazing, uh, pretty, you know, below average the, the first couple months. But then something magical happened. This brings us to uh, the title, which is the greatest hidden <laughs> season of all time. Now, we call it a hidden season because it didn't take place during, uh, you know, a traditional baseball calendar year, but actually between two of them, between June 11th, 1986 and July 4th, 1987. So this is, you know, 163, or excuse okay. me, yeah. 162 games in the span. He had 152 starts, uh, 659 plate appearances. So for all intents and purposes, it's a full season. It just didn't happen, you know, traditionally, mm-hmm. where you'd say like, you know, 2022, you know, beginning to end. It was just in the middle of two seasons, which makes it hidden. So it actually started pretty inauspiciously. Uh, On June 11th, he had his quote-unquote opening day uh, versus the Dodgers. (laughs) He came into the game in the eighth inning, goes one for one, solid. Sweet. The next day, they had a travel day. They flew to Atlanta to take on Atlanta. And then on June 13th, he entered in the ninth inning as a pinch runner, stole second base. June 14th, he again didn't start, but he actually took over in the outfield uh, in the bottom of the sixth inning when uh, the left fielder Nick Mm. Isaski gets hurt. And then, you know, that game, he goes one for one again, scores a run, steals a base. Now, this is all pretty pedestrian. I mean, it's a good couple of games for someone who's, who's been a bench player, but, you know, he's not Babe Ruth yet. And but actually, you know, that player he replaces is Sasky. He actually goes on the injured list with and, oh. and he he hurt his thigh. Is Sasky's going to get Wally pipped? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> now, Eric Davis suddenly has the inside track on consistent playing time as a starter. Now, let's look at what he did with his opportunity. So from there on, from June 11th to June 30th, he was on fire. He hit 382, uh, you know, had a a on-base plus slugging well over a 1,000, which is incredible. Uh, hit five home runs and stole 12 bases. Ooh. He had two games with a home run and a stolen base. Uh, he would later go on to do this 37 times in his career. Now, a quick pop quiz for you. Uh, do you know uh, the active leader for games with a home run and a stolen base? Active leader. Um, is it Was Cabrera much of a, spe- a runner back in his day? Miguel Cabrera, no. Okay, that was my guess. <laughs> Unless we got Trout. It's Mike Trout. Uh, he's, hey! He's done it 35 times, and you just you wouldn't know because nobody ever really talks about his his speed anymore, you know? Yeah, uh, but I always, he's just good at it. <laughs> yeah, and that's part of the reason I really love Eric Davis was that's a stat that is really cool to me, uh, and it shows, like, really, you know, in a raw form, power and speed. You hit a home run, you steal a base. You're making things mm-hmm. happen all over the field. During the span from the 11th to the 30th, he actually stole nine bases in six games. Uh, actually, that was from 
June 22nd to June 28th. Nine stolen bases in six games is ridiculous. That's fun. That's fun to watch. The next month, July 1986, he pretty much reproduces his his June uh, where he's just scorching the ball. Again, had a, you know, a 1,167 on base plus slugging, hit 381, cranked six home runs. Then he goes and steals 25 bases in 26 attempts in yes. 24 games. Yes. Incredible. Oh, I love I love base stealers so much. That makes me happy. He is terrorizing defenses because the thing about a good a good, you know, speed threat on the bases is that now, you know, you've got to b- bring the shortstop and the second baseman a little closer to cover the bag. Mm-hmm. The pitcher's nervous cuz he knows you're going to steal, he's going to rush the ball home to the plate, might yeah. make a worse a worse pitch. It adds a whole new dimension to the game just by having that threat on the path. Even yeah. if he's not going to steal, it still impacts the game. He's it's it's he adds pressure. He actually had four games with uh, three or more stolen bases during the span, and he stole four bases in a game against the Expos on July twenty fourth, which is very very rarely done. Like because you have mm-hmm. to at least get on base twice to do that, and or yeah, yeah two bases technically not twice, right. yeah. Um, he finishes. Unless you want to steal home. Yeah, he, he finishes July uh, with six homers, nine doubles. He's just hitting the snot out of the ball. Uh, 1986, he's uh, not as as hot, but he's still amazing. Uh, hits uh, 256, but that comes with a 920 on base. And this plus is slugging. August 1986. August 1986, 920 on base plus slugging. And if you think like 800, 850, that's good. 900 and up, that's great. Anything above a thousand, like he's done the last two months, that's incredible. Hits six more home runs, grabs nine more bases, uh, actually hits his 20th home run of the year on August 25th, which made him an ex- a member of the exclusive 2060 club. That is 20 home runs, 60 stolen bases. That's I like that. That's rare. How many people have done that? Three people have done that, including Davis. The other two people are Joe Morgan and, of course, Ricky Henderson. Ricky. Uh, now, Eric Davis would actually go on to reach the 2080 club as well with 80 stolen bases. Only Ricky is has done that, and Ricky did it twice actually in '85 and '86, and then Eric Davis did it in '86, and that's it. It's, wow! And, and that's something that I don't think anyone will ever do again because people don't steal bases like that anymore. Yeah, maybe a couple more decades of what happened, the game changes again. But for right now, yeah, we don't steal nearly as much as yeah it's, players did then. I think I think if somebody could do it out of the active players, maybe Trey Turner. I could like he's the only person i think that has that that ludicrous speed yeah it's possible i don't know i'd love to see it we'll see but for now that is just an incredible i mean regardless incredible achievement september to october 1986 getting to the end of the season you know he fell off a little more had uh more pedestrian 737 on base plus slugging uh only at 225 but he still stole 15 bases hit five home runs okay now, at this point, people are thinking, okay, this Eric Davis guy, he's he's starting to put it together. Uh, he's had, you know, a pretty solid 1986. He's he's been, you know, pretty good up there, but and he's still young at this point. He's like what, 25? Uh 24? I want to say he's 24. Uh um, okay, yeah, still plenty young. But it's it's one of those things where it's, you know, at what point does a player go from being a someone who's put together a hot streak to somebody who, okay, maybe this is real. Maybe he's a superstar. Mm -hmm. So enter September 10th, 1986. And this is where we're going to defer back to Joe Posnanski, who has one of the coolest write-ups that I've read about, you know, any of his work really. So Posnanski wrote this. He said, you know, nobody who was there will ever forget it. Not many were there. The official count was 5,571 in Candlestick Park but there probably weren't even that many there. These were two middling teams, the Reds and the Giants, both hovering around 500, both on the fringe of being contenders. Nobody really cared. Davis was hitting cleanup, and he came up with a man on in the first inning against Giants starter Vita Blue. Vita Blue. He homered. In the bottom of the inning, Davis ran to the wall, leaped, and stole a home run from San Francisco's uh, Rick Lancelotti. Davis came up again in the third, and he homered again. In the fifth, he singled, stole second, and came around to score. In the seventh, Davis reached on an error uh, because his speed spooked the defenders, and he came around to score. In the eighth, he hit a monstrous opposite field home run off of Mark Davis. That's a four-for-five night with three homers, five runs, four RBIs, a stolen base, and a stolen homer. My goodness. Which is, I don't think you could do better than that. I mean, yeah. No, that doesn't happen often at all. I, I should have gone, I don't. 
like three home runs, five five run like a stolen base and a stolen base and a stolen home. That's all the tools right there. That that is the player. That is like a net of when you throw the stolen homer in there, that's like a net of like six runs that he contributed to. Yeah. Like you you don't it's impossible for you to make a an impact like larger than that, really. Uh, after the game, Giants manager Rod Craig said, uh, Roger Craig said he reminds me of Hank Aaron, except he can run better than Aaron. Oh, David said, I don't remind myself of anybody. So essentially saying there, you know, he's the first of his kind. That's a cool quote. Now, this is a 24 year old who is being compared to greats like Willie Mays, Henry Aaron, uh, you know, and, and it's 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 incredible. Like he that's how good he is at this time. 1986 uh, end of the season wrap up. So the Reds actually finished second in the NL West, which is hilarious that they played in the West when they were in Cincinnati and they missed the playoffs. But Eric Davis finished the season hitting 277 uh, with a 144 weighted runs created plus. So 44% better than the average player hit 27 home runs, stole 80 bases, had superb fielding and 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 this is all with that slow start as well. Yeah, exactly. This is all after he he really you know took a while to get going. You know, his April uh, and May were were not very good. He was hitting like two hundred. Uh, so this is really all June on. Um, he actually ends up finishing twelfth in MVP voting and was worth you know almost five WAR, which is a really great season. Now Eric Davis he credited his batting coach Billy Demars with his improvement as a hitter because Demars changed his approach at the plate, uh, getting him to tighten up his swing and go with the pitch instead of trying to pull everything. So. You know, that's, you know, he was seeing these outside pitches and he was still trying to pull them all to mm. the left field where mm-hmm. you know, now he's hitting with the pitch and and finding holes everywhere and really, you know, causing a lot uh, of mayhem. So he's got his momentum behind him now and he fixed his swing. And that's apparently only half of the greatest season. That's only half of the greatest season. So now Eric Davis, 1987, he picks up right where he left off. You know, he takes all those lessons that he learned in 86 and he applies them. uh, And he comes out of the gates scorching hot in April, Uh, goes three for three with a home run and two walks with two stolen bases on opening day, which is so amazing like can you imagine sitting in the seats you're excited for baseball to be back it's opening day and then he a guy puts on a clinic like that that'd be incredible he becomes your favorite player yeah exactly uh in the first two weeks of the season eric davis hit 469 uh stole eight bases uh he (laughs) it's it's just so so video video game numbers that's what these are again he he ends the month with a 1164 on base plus slugging seven homers nine stolen bases it's five doubles and a triple uh scored 20 runs in 20 games with 16 rbi he's he's just making making an impact every single day he suits up may 1987 continues his torrid pace he hits two home runs on may 1st including a grand slam um on may 3rd a couple days later he hits three home runs in a game one to left center and one to right satisfying uh, like which is just so cool uh also steals a base and and hits a single just because why not (laughs) and uh so he actually so when you count it out between you know from may 1st to may 30 at five home runs with 11 rbi in three days three days is just unconscious uh so he he actually so May May's coming around. He finishes the month hitting 329, has a you know 1200 on base plus slugging. He hit 12 home runs, 11 stolen bases in a month. Like that's unheard of. Uh, he actually gets put on the cover of Sports Illustrated in uh, that month, and he's compared to Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, and <laughs> Roberto Clemente. The inner sanctum Hall of Famers. Yeah, they're talking about this guy as being as good, if not better, than yeah, the inner sanctum Willie Mays, the best player to play baseball. Like, like that is you can't understate that amount of praise. No. When asked about it, he said, "You know, I'm being compared to the impossible. You know, what about the people I face every day? Tim Raines is the best. Mattingly's the best. Why not compare me to my peers?" Well, dude, it's because you're just dominating them. <laughs> that, that's a loaded quote right there, too. <laughs> like, like you're you're so much you're head and shoulders above your peers. That's why they're comparing you to these these legends. Yeah, it's it's like the conversation with LeBron James. You don't compare him to the peers. We compare him all the time to the other players. Exactly. Uh, he hit three grand slams in the month of May, the month he was on the cover, becoming the first National League player to do so. He had six games with uh, four more runs batted wow. in. 
the dude was just like i can't imagine how much fun he was having because when you're in a you know in a hot streak in baseball like every day every time you step into the batter's box like he had to be having the time of his life uh and then the other the opposite of that is how do you pitch to this guy (laughs) like you can't walk him he's gonna steal second and probably third base oh yeah like low and outside hope hope for for the the best best. yeah (laughs) Um, and then we finish up the hidden season from June to uh, July 4th, 1987. Still very, very hot. Uh, only hit 265, but again, had a 908 on base plus slugging. Cranked another five home runs and 13 stolen bases. Because why not? Why not? 27 runs batted in 24 games. Now, all of that is great. But when we dissect it, uh, you know, month to month, it kind of can get lost on you. So I'm going to mm-hmm. I'm going to read his full stat line if yeah like it like it was a full season exactly so 162 games he hit 308 with a 406 on base percentage slugged 622 uh so that's you know a uh an on base plus slugging well over a thousand he hit 47 home runs he stole 98 bases he was only caught stealing 12 times so he was 90 percent. he had like a 90 percent success rate 90 percent success rate that is and the full season, I had to In imagine with, you know, over 50 attempts. It has to be, if it's got to be a probably record. the best. Yeah. yeah, that's incredible. He scored 149 runs, knocked in 123. And he was three home runs away from going 50-50. Now, at the time, nobody had even gone 40-40. I, and he was three home runs away from going 50-50 wow. in this, this, you know, in this season. He was the best player on earth. He was putting up video game numbers, as you said, and he could not be stopped. More about Eric Davis right after a word from our sponsors. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show now that you know our hidden season chapters come to an end, uh, he actually kept up his play through July. We're back into the normal baseball calendar. He, uh, yeah, so he <laughs> he continued, you know, raking through July. He entered the All Star break, and he, he hit three twenty one with twenty seven home runs at the All Star break uh, in eighty seven. Good enough to net him his first All Star appearance. Uh, he led off and played left field for the National League. He then hit his 30th home run of the season on August 2nd, uh, becoming the seventh member ever to join the 30-30 club, 30 home runs, 30 stolen bases. And just about everyone knew that he would breeze to being (laughs) the first ever 40-40 player. Wow. Now, since uh, this time, there have actually been uh, four players to go 40-40. How many of them can you name? So that was 1987, and since we've had four more, um, so well, there, we're going to have... There are only four, period. Four? Okay. Um, Bonds, I assume. Uh, yep. Um, Alex Rodriguez. Yep. Uh, Griffey? Nope, not, not King Griffey. Uh, um, you can give me a hint for one, otherwise we'll just have to tell me what we got. Uh, sure, he owns a car wash now. Um. He's got one of the most chaotic Twitter feeds in in baseball. Um, the Lonely Island made a uh, a musical. <laughs> made, made a there music he is. Video. There, there's Jose Canseco. Jose Canseco. <laughs> there's your hate. He owns a car wash. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, who, what? <laughs> and then the last one. Do you want me to give it to you, or do you want a hint? Give me, give me a hint. Okay. Hint. Uh, he played second base uh, for the Yankees. Uh, for a time, he was also on the Cubs for a little bit. Uh, 2000s player. Oh, um, 
hit that home run and uh, Soriano. Alfonso Soriano, nice job. So yeah, so at the time, nobody had done this, but since uh, Canseco did it in 1988, he had 42 home runs, stole 40 bases. Barry had the same number. He just did it at uh, in 1996. A-Rod did it two years later in 98, hitting 42, stealing 46. And then Alfonso Soriano did it again in 2006. Man, you know, that Trout guy's a scrub. You can't even go 40-40. Yeah, I mean it's 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 really hard and today I don't I don't know. I don't know if anyone's going to do it anytime soon just because of how one how little, you know, people steal and mm-hmm. two just because it's a ridiculously hard achievement. Uh but at the time of Eric Davis, nobody had accomplished it yet. So everyone was really chasing, you know, watching this chase uh to see if he could, you know, be the first 40-40 guy and most people thought, yeah, he's a shoe-in. Record scratch. <laughs> Uh-oh. September 4th, 1987, the Reds are taking on the Cubs at Wrigley Field. Uh, Ryan Sandberg hit a ball very hard in the air, and he sends Davis back, and he crashed into the Wrigley Field wall. Oh, so for those wow. of you that don't know, Wrigley Field, it's, of course, got the historic ivy, but behind the ivy, it's it's brick. It's a brick wall. It hurts. No. So he takes away extra bases from Sandberg, but he injured his ribs really bad. He ends up having to miss 17 of the Reds' last 27 games. So 40-40 was out the window. However, he did finish 1987. Just It was inc- an incredible year. He was worth 7.1 war. Uh, he had a 154 weighted runs created plus. Uh, ended up slashing 293, 399, 593 with 37 home runs, stole 50 bases, uh, scored 120 runs, and knocked 100 of them in. <laughs> Even I'll walked at a 15% rate, which is pretty great. Uh, ends up, you know, clearing ha- cleaning house at, in the awards season. He won Gold Glove, won Silver Slugger. Uh, actually, only finished ninth in MVP voting, which is still a huge accomplishment. Finishing top ten. Yeah. Uh, true, you know, and this was ended up being the best season of his career, uh, and he was one of the the most sought after, high, you know, most incredible talents of uh-huh. the of the day. Now we move on into 1988, and just out of the gate, he uh, he was injured, so he was already missing time. So in May, he actually hurt his hamstring, and he tried to come back, or at least people thought that he tried to come back much much too quickly which kind of hampered his performance when he was back in the game mm-hmm. so end of may he only was hitting 220 with a 696 uh, ops had six home runs another still had 15 stolen bases which is really impressive coming off of a hamstring injury and that was kind of just the story of the, his 88 season was he was just collecting bumps and bruises everywhere so he got hit by a pitch uh, in june had to miss four games uh, had to get carted off the field on the 4th of July with a bruised knee, which caused him to miss three more games. Uh, he actually only played in 135 games, but that was actually his career high in a season. It was 135. I, I don't like where this is going, Noah. Well, you know, we're, we're in it now. So, uh, you know, he only played 135 out of the 162 games, and uh, he actually never cleared 600 plate appearances in his career. Uh, top and he actually he he had 562 in 87 but he never really got too much closer than that Mm -hmm. Uh, but he did bounce back to finish 88 strong he had an 852 ops uh, hit 26 home runs 35 stolen bases still still good numbers still great numbers he had 141 wrc plus like one of the most productive players in the game and most efficient players in the game and he won his second gold glove for his stellar defensive play now, 1989, rumors started to grow uh, from all sides of him possibly being traded, rumors that he wanted to be traded, rumors that the Reds wanted to deal him, uh, and he gets off to another slow start. He actually tore his hamstring on May 2nd. He missed 14 uh. games. But by the end of June, he came back, and he was hitting 293 with a 919 OPS. Hey, which is incredible. He only had four stolen bases, but he tore his hamstring. That's pretty understandable. Can't fault him there, yeah. And he was named to his second All-Star game and selected for the Home Run Derby, which he won. It's really hilarious because I went back and, and tried to find info about the Home Run Derby, which is kind of scary seeing as it was 1989. Right. But he went up against guys like Bo Jackson, but he actually won the Derby with three home runs. <laughs> I love those derbies. It was just, hey, I got four and you win. Such oh, a okay. such a far cry from what we know the home run derby to be today. It was like rainy or things like nope, that. It was it was <laughs> it was sunny Anaheim. 
but yeah, he's you know despite the torn hamstring, he's still playing at a, a you know a very very high level. Uh, he started the second half of the season very strong as well, but he literally he ran into another wall on September third, and he ended up missing four more games with a strain. Who wrist. keeps putting walls there? That's what I'm saying. But you know, 1989, he still finished having had a stellar year. Uh, he hit 281 with a 908 OPS, 34 home runs, 21 stolen bases, which is down, but again, oh, yeah. torn hamstring. Knocked at 101 RBI. Still had a 151 WRC plus. So he's still one of Great. the best hitters yeah. in the game. Like he, he's just collecting injuries like you know a bingo card. But he's still. We, we just need to give him some sensu beans, and he'll be right back on track. Seriously. And he won his third gold glove and his sil- second silver slugger award. So he's still just a superstar, even though he's, you know, he's missing all this time. Uh, 1990 rolls around. He had signed a three year, $9 million contract in the off season, And he starts slow again. And, you know, that's a lot of players start slow. It, it mm-hmm. just, it happens because uh, it's hard to get your rhythm. But he ends up, you know, injuring his knee and missing 23 games in April and May. And that's really hard to bounce back from. Uh, he struggled to find his rhythm. And he did actually start to turn things around and get got hot in late August, which is, you know, last month-ish of the season. He hit 355 with a, you know, 1050 OPS, eight home runs, eight stolen bases. But the last week of the season, he crashed into the left field wall in Cincinnati. <sighs> ah, he's Stop he's, it. He's, stop putting walls there. It's just one of those things where he, every play, he went all out and he he really tried to do whatever he could to make the out. And, but at the same time that has a cost. Yeah. you love it. Then you hate it. Yeah. He finished 1990 still solid hit 24 home runs, 21 stolen bases, 833 OPS and a 125 WRC plus. And the reds actually made the playoffs for the first time in Eric Davis's Sweet. whole career, you know, and it, we weren't talking about the big red machine anymore, but they had Barry Larkin. Uh, They're led by a pretty great pitching staff of Jose Rio Tom Browning, Rob, Rob Dibble, and they won the NLCS against Pittsburgh in six games. Eric Davis wasn't very good, hit 174 with a double, but who cares? We're in the World Series. Uh, we're taking on the powerhouse Oakland Athletics, led by Ricky Henderson. Davis played very well. He actually jump-started the Reds with a uh, two-run home run in his very first at-bat in the first inning off of uh, Dave Stewart. Uh, and he was actually the 22nd person to ever home run in their first World Series hey, at cool. bat. Very cool. But during that game, you know, he hurt his left hand because he dived after a line drive and he fell really hard. Mm-hmm. In the first three games of the series, though, you know, he hit 286 with that home run, five RBIs, and the Reds won three three games in a row. Now we move on. Looking good. Looking very good. Now we move on to game four. Uh, the Reds are trying to uh you know finish the sweep and win the world series first inning a guy named willie mcgee hits a sinking line drive into left field davis goes all out to try and make the diving play Uh, he actually catches it ragdolls a little bit and rolls over and the ball pops out of his glove no so you know the play is finishing up Eric is not getting up. Uh, he is clearly in a lot of pain, clutching his left side. And frankly, I watched this on YouTube. It was really hard to watch. Um, not that injuries are ever easy to watch, but the trainers, they they had to go and check on him. And mm-hmm. for like 10 minutes, he's like down. And the announcers have this bit of dialogue. And they, the play-by-play guy says, you know, his, his right hand went down. His left hand went down. Talking about like injuries earlier in the season. You know, mm-hmm. he's got the sore left shoulder, sore right knee. It could be any of the four things. And then his partner goes, I think it's his ribs. <laughs> and it's like, you just listed five injuries that this guy's playing through. You know, it might have been the head, shoulders, knees, or toes. And then they say, yeah, well, actually, his right elbow's giving him the most problems. I'm like, this poor guy is, like, held together by scotch tape and, and fire to stay in the game. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, he, he actually does stay in the field, and he limp, he's limping really heavily. He looks really shaken off, shaken up, but he's due to lead off the next inning. They get three outs. Eric Davis jogs in. He actually collapsed, and they had to carry him off the oh, field. No. And they actually sent him to the hospital. It turns out he had a lacerated kidney. Uh, it was torn in three places. Very, very dangerous. Like, wow. like potentially lethal. And he, and he stayed in the game for three outs after that. Yeah, there are two two more outs, but still, two. Uh, he ended up having to spend forty days in the hospitals to recover. Uh, meanwhile, the Reds did actually go on to win game four and they finished the sweep. So he became a World Series champion. Okay, yeah. 
but doctors, it was so bad that doctors actually suggested he take the entirety of 1991 off from baseball to to recover and heal up. Yeah, Eric Davis, he declined. He actually got knee surgery in the offseason as well. And he was back in the lineup on opening day 1991. Uh, clearly wasn't at full strength, but he did have a hot, a hot start to the season. Uh, then in June, missed 14 games with a hurt hamstring. I've heard this song before. Yeah, it's it's rough. Uh, you know, he was decent uh, in the first half, but he fell off in the second half more. He missed 27 games with a condition called chronic fatigue. And he finished 1991 uh, really not in good form. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, 235 batting average, 109 WRC plus, which, hey, still above average, uh, only played 89 games and only uh, hit 11 home runs with 14 stolen bases. And so at this point, the Reds are cutting their losses. They're betting against him returning to health and returning to his form, despite all of the sky, you know, the sky's the limit with his potential. Yeah, I mean, you got to take that. Yeah. And so it's a little understandable, but they actually traded him to the Dodgers for Tim Belcher and John Wedeland, a pair of pitchers. And now along with this, now Eric Davis is actually going home to play with his old high school friend and rival, hey. Daryl Strawberry. It all comes back around. Now, a really cool part about this. So if you we actually interviewed uh, Fred Clare back in Short Hop 16 and we talked about this trade with him. Uh, so go listen to that. It's a really, really interesting conversation. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, his pal Daryl, by this point, he had had his own struggles, of, but his were more off the field struggling with addiction. And essentially the reasoning was that maybe a return home to Los Angeles would be a good fresh start for both players, which I agree with, you know? Yeah. Uh, 1992, it looked like it was working out, had another hot start two weeks into the season. It was hitting 388 with a, a 1,159 OPS, hit four home runs, five stolen bases. Everything's looking great. Starts to cool off in May and actually missed 24 games from May, from late May to Ugh. June. He broke his collarbone. And then in early September, his season came to an abrupt end when he hurt his his shoulder, which required surgery. He only played in 76 games that year. The first season where he was a below average mm-hmm. hitter with a 92 WRC plus hit 228. But 1993, he's back with the Dodgers, actually hit 20 home runs, stole 35 bases, but was traded to Detroit at the end of August when he was really struggling. But 1994 rolls around. Uh, so he actually, poor guy, goes on the entry list again, has a pinched nerve in his neck on May 23rd, causing him ah. to miss 57 games. My goodness. Came back July 26th. And the day he comes back, he left the game early with a pulled groin. He cannot catch a break. Like, and it just gets worse. It just ke- it gets, it just keeps going. Now, he ends up going undergoing off-season surgery in 94 for a herniated disc in his neck. This was his eighth surgery in seven years. Doctors advised uh, him to retire because he was risking paralysis, and he did. Mm-hmm. He, he actually retired. Uh, so Davis, he actually spent 1995 managing several businesses, and he was following along with uh, baseball, and he actually saw yeah. the Reds play the Dodgers in the NLDS, and he felt it. He felt the itch inside of him to compete again. Yeah, you have the talent like Eric Davis. You're going to always have that kind of itch. Exactly. Uh, and just the drive, like everything he's he's battled through, and he's still playing baseball. So after he retires for a season, he actually signed a minor league contract with the Reds in 1996, and he made the team. He had a superb spring training and a good start to the season, but he actually missed 11 games after making a diving catch on May 25th that Mm. bruised his ribs. And literally like the day before he went four for five with two home runs. Like this guy, poor guy, like that sums him up so well. It's just, it hurts. It hurts. But he finished the season actually having a very excellent year. I hit 287, 917 OPS, and a 143 WRC plus in 129 games. Uh, Still going 2020 at 26 home runs, 23 stolen bases. He's 34 now, and this is a year after he was out of baseball entirely. He comes back, hits 26 home runs, steals 23 bases, and is one of the best hitters in the league with a 143 WRC plus. Incredible like that that he can do that at 34 for an athlete that, you know. Who's coming back after a year out the game. He put up a prime season when he's 34 years old and he actually won comeback player of the year, which is very deserved coming back from uh yeah. from all those surgeries and the literal retirement. Now, this is this is pretty wild. So he ends up signing with Baltimore as a free agent in 1997 and he gets off to another hot start. He hits 302, 906 OPS through May 25th. 
But on May 25th, he actually, his stomach is really hurting him. And so he comes out and he has to miss time and they, they get him checked out. Turns out Eric Davis has colon cancer. Oh my, stop it. Unbelievable. Just baseball God, stop it. So it turns out that he has a malignant tumor uh, that's, uh, as Eric said in his his biography, autobiography, it, it was the size of an orange. Like, and so he has to end up having surgery to remove a third of his colon <sighs> on June 13th. Uh, he then goes through very extensive chemotherapy for, uh, to prevent the tumor from returning. Yeah, so he's definitely out the rest of the season because you got to take care of yourself. And then the madman returns to the lineup on September 15th. You cannot stop him. What? It is the most incredible thing I think I've ever read. So this, so Eric Davis, you know, he gets off to an amazing start, gets sidelined because he has literal colon cancer that, that's eating him up, and then gets surgery, goes through serious chemotherapy, and then comes back to keep playing baseball on September 15th. And he does great. <laughs> and he's amazing. He goes, you know, end of the season, but... In eight games, he hits you know three ten. Uh, he ends up ending uh, nineteen ninety seven, uh, having hit three oh four, uh, you know three fifty eight five twenty five with a one twenty nine uh, WRC plus in forty two games. He had cancer. He 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 was getting chemotherapy and playing baseball. Oh my God, I can't imagine Holy just crap. the the amount of both like mental and emotional strength, and even in physical strength too. It, it reminds me of you know the story of Achilles when the gods you know dip him into river, but except for the ankle, but he has the strength and skill of a god. But unfortunately, like, none of his body got dipped in the river, but he's still Achilles. It's it is remarkable just the amount of of drive and just like tenacity that Eric Davis has. Yeah. That um, now Baltimore they go to the playoffs. They're down three to one entering Game Five. Eric freaking Davis comes up as a pinch hitter and hits a dagger home run in the top of the ninth to give Baltimore a three Oh lead. Wow. This is a guy who I, I, I understand I'm repeating myself. He had cancer. He had a, a tumor the size of a baseball in his body and he's coming back and he's hitting playoff home runs. <sighs> I just imagine number one, having he's been a fan, knowing his background, watching that and then how that felt for him as well. Going oh. through all of that. And, he that I, I I would love to talk to Eric Davis and just ask him how he felt, you know, rounding those bases because I can't. And this is the other thing, like he's 35. This is a time when most players are retiring or they're mm -hmm. on their way out of the game. He's 35, comes back from cancer, you know, comes back from literally like all those. He's got what, like double digit surgeries at this point, And he comes back and hits a, a pinch hit clutch home run in the playoffs like it's 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 really a movie like this is like honestly a movie script just writing it yeah um now the orioles they they win that game they ended up losing the series two days later um uh, but end of the season eric davis he wins the roberto clemente award for the most inspirational player won the fred hutchinson award for the player who both best ex exemplifies character dedication and competitive spirit 1998 he's 36 years old he's back in baltimore and he is back on the field. Now, he's older now. He can't run like he used to. He doesn't have the power that he used to. Oh, wait, he kind of does. Um, he, so he's split in time as, the, <laughs> as a designated hitter. Has a strong start. Hits five home runs in five games to start May. Ends up playing 1998 uh, and putting up one of the best seasons of his career. He hit 327, had a 970 OPS for the season. Almost had a thousand OPS and a 151 WRC. At 36 plus. years of age. 36 it, years of man. age, and he's doing it. He was fourth in in the American League in batting average. He hit 28 home runs, even stole seven bases, and he had a 30 game hit streak during this time. Ooh. You know, during that streak, he hit 10 home runs and 10 doubles. This is at 36 years old after oh, feels good. after nine or 10 surgeries after cancer. I I really thought coming to this that this would just be a a, a peak moment at 24 and all downhill, but he has entire chapters of his career. This is amazing. Dude is a legitimate force. Like like you could not tell Eric Davis no. Like he he was he, he was that guy. 
1999, uh, he did actually get a two-year contract out of the, out of that season in 98 uh, and signed with the Cardinals. Had a very solid first half, uh, you know, hit 257, uh, but it was cut short after 58 games because he tore his rotator cuff and needed surgery. Was it the wall? I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> 2000, uh, he actually had a very, very strong season. Uh, he was a part-time player. He played every couple of days, uh, yeah. but he still hit 303, um, you know, still hit you know one you take that you absolutely yeah, 113 take wrc plus in, in 92 games so he's 38 and he's still you know an, a very good like above average player uh even stole a base and then uh he played a admittedly rough final season yeah, for the right. giants in 2001 before finally retiring for good eric davis ended his career uh with a slash line of 269 batting average 359 on base and 482 slugging Good for uh, 841 on base plus slugging and a 126 WRC yeah. plus. That is a great player. That is. That is very, very good. Uh, he hit 280, 282 home runs, uh, stole just under 350 bases, uh, knocked in uh, 934 RBI and scored 938 times himself. <laughs> uh, played in uh, just over 1,600 games across 17 MLB seasons, became an all-star twice, won three gold gloves, two silver sluggers, won a World Series in 1990, and just for sprinkles on top, he won a home run derby. Mm-hmm. And and one-time cancer beater. Exactly. The most impressive. <laughs> I can't get over that. And he came back I, after getting... Oh. I can't get over that. He had double-digit surgeries. He had cancer and he still like he still came back and was an amazing play like yeah incredible that 98 season was phenomenal yeah and so today eric davis he's a uh an honorary member uh, uh honorary board member of the multiple myeloma research foundation uh he's the been the special assistant to the general manager for the reds uh a role he's been in for the last 13 years um, and truly just a remarkable and inspiring person, both off and on the baseball diamond. And this is the quote that I'm going to end it on because I think it more than anything sums up <laughs> Eric Davis's career. And he said, they'll have to tear this uniform off of me one day. Perfect. Amazing. Absolutely perfect. Like, I just, I can't imagine like, like I I've, I've said it a couple of times, but my mind is blown. Like, it's truly just a, rightfully so a Hollywood, <laughs> just a Hollywood story. Like he's just such an incredible player. And he keeps and coming back after every single step, setback. He had literally just like, like more injuries than I could even count. And I tried to count while I was going through this and he had 10 more like double digit surgeries. He was getting surgeries on multiple parts of his and body. It's, it's and not like these are like, you know, we're going to clean up your elbow really quick. No. These are major surgeries. He's getting major surgeries. He ripped his, his, uh, his kidney kidney. He ripped his kidney in three in places. Three places. And he stuck in the game. Like he's literally, and then he, he came back. And I think that's something we, we kind of glossed over was he came back at the end of 90, uh, 1990 with the you know the lacerated kidney and he still started on opening day after spending 40 days in the hospital uh, like it's just he's a folk legend he, i think that was is. exactly right he is he's, i think that was exactly right a legendary player that i really want more people to know about because his story is just so inspiring but what was his autobiography called if you remember so his autobiography was titled Born to Play the Eric Davis Story. That makes sense. Uh, truly a remarkable story um, and one that I was very glad that I, I finally got to got to share. Yeah, I, 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 you, you had 11 pages. That there's no way we're going to go through all this. We're going to be kind of <laughs> bored by the middle of it. No, every step along the way was like, there's more? It Tell was, me, oh my goodness, it keeps getting better or worse. It was, it was just like like truly a page turner because he he just like he he very clearly has different stages of his career and it just mm-hmm. all comes together for that that home run uh in the playoffs in baltimore that is just like just such an amazing moment mm-hmm. uh and it's it's incredible i highly suggest looking up his career on on youtube and just checking out some of his highlights because there was a reason that he was in the same conversation as willie mays as henry aaron as all of these inner circle legends of baseball and just that final quote, they'll have to tear this uniform off me one day. Like, incredible. And and he's still in baseball. 
he's still he spent a decade over a decade loves the game man baseball so eric davis major props all right and uh re- really quick um so we we are an hour in yeah we are <laughs> do we want to uh save pickle jar and the can, discussions for next time we can do that yeah this could okay. just be a <laughs> this is the eric davis shot. special yeah which is okay yeah wild just just so yeah wild. I, <laughs> actually enthralled me like i'm tired i want to do this and oh my goodness eric davis it's is just, amazing it's just one thing after another after another the injuries just like he'd come back immediately get hurt again and then and and he, it's it's wild because he was just such a small guy he was 165 pounds like it's just it's crazy but yeah i i, I don't know like i i don't i can't imagine having that much like you know, I would I would have just read the room and be like, "All right, I'm retiring. I got my money. Yeah, I I got my nine point two million. I'm I'm done. Yeah, I'm out. yeah. But and that's why he has that like like that final like last hurrah in 1998 where he he comes back and has a vintage season as the 151 WRC plus, and he's like 36 years old. <laughs> like, yeah, man, that's amazing. And he decides to give a go after that as well. Yeah, I mean, if I could get nine million dollars out of that, yeah, well, I, I yeah, would sure. too. <laughs> That's fair. Just nuts. Um, alrighty. Oh, I guess we gotta we gotta wrap this up. Uh, yeah, take us yeah. home, Noah. <laughs> All right. So if you liked what you heard, uh, please be sure to follow Short Hops and Tall Tales on Twitter at Short Hops PL. Follow Brandon at BD Riddle and myself at Noah A Scott Six, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, leave a review if you like. Tell your friends. Uh, and be sure to check out Eric Davis's autobiography uh, titled Born to Play, The Eric Davis Story, uh, Life Lessons in Overcoming Adversity on and Off the Field. So for Brandon Riddle, I'm Noah Scott, and this has been the Short Hops and Tall Tales podcast. See you next time. <laughs>